we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. A sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. Welcome to the October 28th edition of the sunny side of sports. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, stepping in for Sunny Young. And we start off the show in Accra, Ghana, home to the Black Stars, the country's national team. The Black Stars are one of the five African teams that will represent the continent at the FIFA 2022 World Cup tournament, which kicks off next month in the Middle Eastern nation of Qatar. The Black Stars last made an appearance at the World Cup in 2014, and the team recently announced a provisional squad led by former international player Otto Addo. Addo is a German-born Ghanaian who played professionally for a number of German teams during his 16-year playing career. And last week, Addo submitted the official preliminary list of 35 to 55 players to FIFA, from which he will select his final 26-man roster for Qatar. He has to do that by Monday, November the 14th. And for more on how the team is preparing for Qatar, I reached Atsu Tamaklo, a sports analyst based in Accra, Ghana. Well, what we can confirm to you, uh, Jackson, is that the Ghana Football Association has determined the team will move to Abu Dhabi on November 10th. That's when the Black Stars will move and begin their preparations for the World Cup, uh, which is three days before FIFA um, mandate clash to release their players. And so at that meeting in Abu Dhabi, at least for the first three days of the preparations, we don't expect to have Thomas Partey, Kudus Mohamed, and the rest of the players who play in the Middle East in, in Europe. Um, but at least they should be in camp by the 14th and be ready to train with the team. That is two clear days before the team plays their main friendly before the World Cup. That's going to be on the 17th of November. So, Atu, what do we know about okay. the provisional squad? Okay. Who are some of uh, the players that are going to, who have made the cut so far to represent uh, Ghana as part of the Black Stars squad? Well, all 29 players who were called up for the friendlies versus Brazil and Nicaragua have all made the squad. However, the big news is that three of the players who were not expected here have made it. And so Ashimaru Majid, who plays for Anderlecht this season, is in some really good form. Um, he's played eight times in the Champions League uh, for Anderlecht, as well as uh, he's played eight games in the Belgian Pro League so far this season, and he's played in three of the Champions League games, uh, Conference League games that they have played. Um, he is one midfielder who has also been listed in the team. Then Callum Hasnodoy is a curiosity perhaps the biggest of the three names that I'm going to tell you about. You know, he recently completed that switch to Bayer in the German Bundesliga, and his explanation was that he needed to get game time. While his nationality switch is expected to be only eligible in November, the GSA have gone ahead and included him in the provisional squad. What that tells us is that perhaps they have got some guarantees from the player and his entourage, and perhaps from FIFA, that the documentation will go through and that he will be eligible to play for the Black Stars at the World Cup in November. Otherwise, it will be very strange from, uh, for the coach Otuado to have named him in the provisional squad. And he, he's having quite a decent season uh, since moving to the German Bundesliga. He played as many as six games this season, set up one goal already. And in the Champions mm. League, he's played five times, he scored one, uh, which is uh, indicative of the sort of form that he's in. Uh, perhaps the one player who's the interesting case is Jeffrey Schlock, who plays for Crystal Palace in the Premier League. He's been in and out of the national team and 
never really settled. And it's not a matter of quality um, that, or the lack of it. It's a simple case of its inability to acclimatize to the culture and the dressing room of the national team. You know, Schlopp is the one of those players who grew up in Ghana. His formative years and everything, and even turning pro, were years that he spent in the UK, in England. And so it's taken him quite a while to sort of adjust to the culture in the dressing room in, across different generations of black stars. And eventually, he had to stay away from the national team for so long a time. But it looks like Otuara has been able to convince him to show up this time for the World Cup. So those are the three uh, surprise inclusions. Jeffrey Slop, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and the man who plays for Anderlecht, um, Ashmeri Majid. And speaking of uh, generations, uh, are there any players who appear in this squad that have uh, represented Ghana, uh, who that have been part of the Black Stars in previous uh, appearances at the World Cup? Do we have any veteran players that will be part of the leadership of the squad? Of course, uh, there, we do expect about three of them. Mubarak Wakasu, he's made the provisional squad. He's one of the players who was at the 2014 World Cup for the Black Stars. And of course, the Ayu brothers, Andre Ayu, the captain of the team, he's been at two World Cups uh, before this. He was there in 2010, he was there in 2014 as well, uh, with the Black Stars of Ghana. Jordan Ayu was at the last World Cup in, in Brazil, um, also played in all good games that the Black Stars played in as far as that uh, appearance at the World Cup is concerned. So as far as experience, as concerned, I think that the team will have enough representation if that's what you were getting at. Now, uh, the Black Stars assistant coach, uh, George Boateng, has been in the news of let. There's a little bit of a controversy in terms of uh, uh, what he will or won't do during this time period, uh, during the World Cup. Well, last week, uh, the Middle East broadcaster, Dean Sports, published a list of pundits who they had secured their services to work for them during the period of the World Cup. Well, it so happens that one of those personalities was George Burton, the same man who's an assistant coach, or one of the assistant coaches to a Black Stars head coach or two others. Now, that really did not go down well with a lot of people because we, we struggled to make sense of why and how the assistant coach will be asking players to give their all has already entered into a deal that effectively takes effect at the end of the group stage. Now, the, the interpretation many have drawn from this, fair or unfairly, is that he has made this deal because he perhaps does not believe the Black Stars will progress beyond the group stage of the competition. To be fair to George Watting, he has been working for them. This, I suspect, will be um, he's been working for them since 2014. So they already have they already have a working relationship that predates his association with the Black Stars as a coach. What has happened since then was that the Ghana Football Association released a statement indicating that Jeff Watson is not going to work for um, Bain Sports when the World Cup begins. So it looks like there's been a, a compromise following that public backlash. And you'd have to understand the concerns that Ghanaians raise about this because the Head coach himself, Otuado, is also a part-timer. His day job is to be a scout at Borussia Dortmund. And so to have two members out of the four technical heads on the team. So there is Chris Hilton, who is a technical advisor. There is Masoudidi Dramani, who is one of the assistants. There is um, George Boateng, an assistant. And then the head, Otuado himself. So to have 
two members, Otoado himself and George Boateng, out of the four, being part-timers, was something that is not really particular with the Ghanaian football populace. We are chatting with Atu Tamaklo. He's a sports analyst best in Accra, Ghana. We're talking about the country's national team, the Black Stars, one of the five African teams that will represent the continent in Qatar at the FIFA World Cup. And as Atu was saying, Ghana's assistant coach, George Boateng, was recently announced as a sports commentator for the sports channel Bain Sports, a move that concerns some Ghanaians. They're saying that this will leave him with some divided attention as he's part of the leadership team of the Black Stars. So I asked Atsu what Ghanaians were saying about this move. Well, it's been, I don't, it, it's been unanimous. There's been a unanimous disapproval of that move. And the GF is sensing it and realizing that if they do not move to quickly stand the defense, this perhaps was going to create some bad blood between the fans and then the players themselves. And so they quickly had to do that. And, and that in itself is an admission perhaps of the the level of um, the emotions and where they were directed towards it. It's curious to mention that a member of the management committee, Alaji Griza has in the past, had reason to complain about that whole part-time business with even the head coach himself. So even within the establishment, uh, the ruling class of the Ghana Football Association, some of the executives do not are not entirely sold on having... Um, a substantive head coach who's taking the job on a part-time basis. I don't know if that makes sense. So that and even the voice of the fans really um, was quite fair. And I think more of this has been, or the bulk of this has been born out of the frustration um, when you consider the squad that the Black Stars have brought. There is a feeling that perhaps for the first time in more than a decade, the Black Stars are totally stopped and that in every area of the page, we've got the right profiles and in numbers as well. So there is a lot of quality to go around. And if we had a coach who could put his mind to this team, give his undivided attention and work hard, we could be seeing some really good times ahead for the Black Stars. And so people feel frustrated that there is no clarity in terms of a, a technical direction, a substantive technical direction that we're going into the future with. Because the word from at the camp of Otuado is that he is not going to continue as a black starter coach after the World Cup. And people feel that we need a more long-term um, arrangement for the black stars just to ensure that we do not miss out on what could potentially be another golden generation for the black stars. That was Atu Tamaklo, a sports analyst best in Accra, Ghana. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Voice of America! And still on soccer, as we prepare for the men's FIFA World Cup kicking off in a few weeks, we are nine months away from the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup that will be held in Australia and New Zealand. The official draw is now complete, and the tournament will have 32 teams participating in the event for the first time, and all nations have been divided into eight groups ahead of the tournament. A Nigerian women football analyst says that the country's national football team are in a tough group in the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Nigeria is in Group B with co-host Australia. They will also face Olympic champions Canada and the Republic of Ireland. Morocco, South Africa and Zambia are other countries that will be representing Africa at the World Cup. Chukuleta Chigozi is the vice president 
of the Sports Writers Association of Nigeria, Southeast Zone. Chigozi spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye about the Super Falcons World Cup group. She says the Super Falcons need to work hard to qualify from their group during the FIFA Women's World Cup. Well, I, I saw where someone described the draws as fa favorable for the Super Falcons. But to me, it is not so because Australia and Canada are not strangers in the big stage of women football. They have each been to the World Cup eight times, with Australia being, being a consistent quarterfinalist in the 2007, 2011, and 2015. Australia had been to the Olympics four times, with fourth position in 2020 edition of the Summer Games. Canada are the current Olympic champions in four appearances. Canada is placed seventh on the ladder of FIFA, Australia 13th, and Nigeria placed 46th. I think that tells you something. The only small team, if there is anything like that in today's football, are the, the girls in green. The Ireland girls are new to the World Cup, but their ranking did not say so as they are placed 24th. So my take is that the Super Falcons must not relax, knowing that they will be up against the hosts. You remember what happened to them in Morocco. They will be up against the Olympic champions, and they will be up against a history-seeking debutant. So there is no easy game. Like the coach of Australia, Tony Gustafson said after the draw, and I quote, if you, are, if you look at the brackets and tournaments, there is no easy game. It is all about who you are facing and preparing in the best way possible. This is the best I can tell the Super Falcons. They should know who they are facing and prepare in the best way possible. Nigeria, USA and two other countries will make seven consecutive appearances at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Do you think this would be an advantage to the Super Falcons? Mike, you and I know that uh, football is not a respecter of number of appearances. Two of their opponents in the group have such records too. Making seven consecutive appearances is different from making consecutive improvements. If you look at our qualifications these past years, it is no longer an easy ride. That would tell you that there is fire on the mountain. If African female football is growing this fast, leaving us battling at each time, you now know what the world stage is like. So consecutive appearances will not be an advantage, rather is a reason to be conscious because such record attracts attention and I don't know how prepared we are to shield against the darts of such a record or the darts of such a... I don't know how prepared we are to shield against the darts such records will attract in a competition as big as the World Cup. The bigger you grow, the bigger the attack. But our method of, of preparations in this country for international competitions at all levels of female football leaves a lot to be desired. Every four years we qualify only to travel for a jamboree because of lack of adequate preparations. Countries making impact with consecutive appearance records at the World Cup, they don't engage in fire brigade approach to preparations. There is usually a long-term plan. So for the Falcons, there should be a long-term plan of plotting details to ensure success. There should be early quality friendlies. Yes, they have started, but there is need for such to be sustained. The coaches should be left to do their job without unnecessary interference. Several appearances or not, the coaches should be allowed to do their job. As a seasoned journalist, 
do you think there should be changes in the Super Falcons team to the World Cup? Honestly, I think the period of experimenting is not now. This should be a period of consolidating on the already existing structure. The World Cup is less than 10 months away. The coach should be allowed to work with his team and take responsibility. The fresh legs already introduced into the team should be allowed to mature and blend with the older legs. Nigeria has a lot of uh, good young players, but all of them cannot play at the same time. You cannot keep changing every time. You cannot keep infusing new legs and bringing in a, 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 period, a time of uh, trial and errors all the time. World Cup is not a kindergarten arena. What Nigeria needs now is to build a team with character and purpose-driven, like the Super Falcons of old, when we have the likes of uh, Moreni Madu, Inkakudaisi, Patience Avery, Rita, Rita Madike, uh, and, and those of them in that category. It is not just a matter of uh, introducing new players. If you look at the players we have right now at the young uh, edition of the cup going on in India, when you look at the players, the way they are playing, you'll be so excited. You would want, because they have beaten US, you would want them to come back and join the Super Falcons. It's not like that. They may have, you know, shone like uh, bright stars in the Junior World Cup. This, this stage is not the same when it comes to Senior World Cup. They, had to, they have to grow. So this is not the period of a trying, trying and error, trying new players to bring out the old. No, no, no. Let the coaches be allowed to do their job. If they have agreed that the crop of players that they have now is what we used to effectively carry on during the World Cup, let them be allowed to do that and take responsibility. That's just what I think. That was Chukuleta Chigozi, Vice President of Sports Writers Association of Nigeria, Southeast Zone. She was speaking with reporter Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Auka in Nigeria. Now, even though women's soccer is gaining popularity in Africa, it still has a long way to go in attracting attention and support from local communities. And so we asked you on what needs to be done to promote women's soccer on the continent. Here is what you had to say. My name is uh, Said. I'm so glad to get this, this opportunity and to support the, especially you know, women football in Uganda. Football, long time. It was just a hobby. But these days, it's a profession. It's a profession whereby we can, we can develop our income. We can change the society. Uh, it's 2022, and I believe in equality. So what a man can do, a woman can do. I don't see why a woman shouldn't play football just because everyone thinks that it's a man's game. I'm called Junior Moses. I support Kitara FC for your information. Uh, about the women's football, I think it should be changed because it is always broadcasted in the morning, morning hours. It's on TV, but it's morning hours. People are always busy, and it's on week, weekdays, eh? For good viewers, viewership, eh, should be at least in the evening and on weekends. Uh, they, sh- they should do something like to increase on the accolades, the prizes, and more motivation on the what? So, so that the, uh, the girls can be motivated. Eh? They know what they are going to win and their future prospects, of course. Eh? I'm Fiona. 
basically women football it's worth it like women should be given a chance because there are very many upcoming young women who are very interested in football yeah uh, basically i'd really support if they are given a chance and support it yeah uh, basically it should also be included in the school curriculum whereby the young ladies are given a chance to participate in football and then uh, at a standard level Basically, they're, they're now promoting women football right now because at least I have a guest of some friends of mine who have been participating in that football ladies. So I believe it can give them a better future, just like men are given, so ladies should be given. Like in schools where boys are given scholarship because uh, they play football, they do basketball, they do netball, they should also render the same opportunity to the ladies, yes. And thank you so much for sending in your opinions. We very much appreciate your contributions. This is the sunny side of sports. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello. This is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and the artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello sports fans, this is Paul Tergat, marathon champion from Kenya. You are listening to the Sony side of sports on the Voice of America. Voice of America! Sporty greetings everyone. This is Ambassador Mary Onyal, Olympic medalist, five-time African champion in the sprint event. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. And welcome back. This is the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Remember to connect with us on our social media platforms for more sports news. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for VOA Sunny. And let's go to Germany where the Frankfurt Marathon will be back in action on Sunday after a three-year hiatus because of the pandemic. The marathon has gained a reputation for fast times over the past two decades, and some of the finest of Africa's distance-running talent have distinguished themselves in one of Germany's top races. The energetic Andy Edwards is already in position and has been talking to one of the contenders, Sally Kaptich of Kenya. A sporty greetings to you, Andy. Sporty greetings, Jackson. Both elite fields are loaded with talent as one of Europe's leading marathons makes its comeback. Kenya have strong representation, not surprisingly, with Martin Koske aiming to win the top prize after four attempts, which include twice finishing runner-up on the red carpet of the Festhalle, or Festival Hall, one of the most exciting finish lines anywhere in the world of marathon running. His fellow Kenyan Charles Ndima is also looking in good shape. But the women's top contender, Sally Kaptich, has a story which catches the eye. 
Not only is she the fastest woman in the field with a best of 2.21.06, set in finishing third in Berlin three years ago, but in having a truly international background, with 10 years of living and competing for a corporate team in Japan. So let's hear more from Sally herself, beginning with her thoughts about the race in Frankfurt on Sunday. Sally, um, what kind of shape do you come into Frankfurt with? That, that PB was set three years ago, also in Germany, in Berlin. Um, how have you been preparing? Uh, I've been uh, preparing well for this coming uh, uh, Frankfurt Marathon, and uh, I was so lucky enough to be among the one who is competing on Sunday. Frankfurt is renowned as a fast course. Um, do you think you've got a good chance of improving on that personal best? Uh, definitely, there is a uh, there is a good chance because uh, I've, uh, I've been training well and uh, I've no any injury. I've been uh, well set up and I'm ready for it. Did you have any problems? I know the lockdown and the pandemic is some way behind us now, but uh, um, what was it like, depending on where you were? Were you in Kenya for what was in effect two years? I mean, could you train and did you have any races while most of the world was in lockdown? Okay, uh, I was lucky enough because I was uh, among those who went to Japan, uh, Tokyo Marathon, uh, before the pandemic was locked down. And uh, after there... Uh, we were so sad enough uh, because of the pandemic. But uh, I'm lucky, mommy, because uh, I went for maternity leave and now I'm back seriously. Well, that's a good cue to talk about your experience in Japan because you've been telling me um, you had about 10 years of being a sponsor, being part of a corporate team, which is very common for quite a few African athletes in Japan. Um, and uh, that goes back from about two... Uh, 2006 when you were coming through the junior ranks already very good and they they said come and join us um, what was it like to be a Kenyan running as part of a, a Japanese team was it uh, culturally very different yeah, uh, in the first beginning, it was a little uh, different completely because their culture and the way they are training, it was a hard time to cope with them. But uh, also, uh, after a year and a year, I had to cope with them, and also they understand my running way, how we run, uh, we train in Kenya, and they also cope with it, and they just allow me to train also the way I want to train. That is a difference, isn't it? Because the, the, I have the impression the Japanese are very much, how do you say, their training is more rigid. They, they, if they do long runs, they, they mark out a 1,000 metres on the road and they run up and down it 20 times. Uh, but they accepted that you wanted to be different. Oh, yeah. Uh, with that time, they wanted me okay to do some other things because it was so difficult to do that way, but not uh, enough that uh, it was a not big difference because it was just like the same because when you are going for cross-country, rotating for 3 kilometers, for 40 kilometers, it was a tiresome. And that corporate athletics, the running teams, the relay races in Japan, they have a very high prestige value, don't they? It's big business because I know it's, it's on um, national TV live as if it's a big uh, football uh, tournament. Uh, there was, was there a lot of pressure on you? I was not that much pressure, yeah. And you also, from what I understand, you, you learnt Japanese talking with your colleagues, so 
that was culturally uh, outside of running. Was there a lot to adjust to? Okay. Um, uh, yes, I learned the Japanese language. In fact, there is a time uh, I was a model by Japanese clothes, which is called kimono, and I went to advertise also, and it was so interesting. Do you think that that kind of wide horizon, having a, to adapt to both a different running and just uh, life culture in general, did, do you think that strengthened you as an athlete? Yes, uh, personally it strengthened me enough because uh, uh, coping from something that you are new with it in life is not easy at all. And I had to, to know that life is not easy, but you have to struggle for it. Well, that's really interesting thoughts. Sally Kaptich, all the best for Sunday in Frankfurt Marathon. Thank you very much. Thank you. This all-round experience should stand Sally Kaptich in good stead. She has strong rivals, notably in the Ethiopian Yeshi Chikole, who has also run under 2 hours 22. Along with the elite contenders, some 12,000 mass runners will be lining up for the marathon at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Just glad to be on the move again in a race renowned for its carnival atmosphere. For the sunny side of sports, this is Andy Edwards in Frankfurt. Thank you very much. That was Andy Edwards speaking to Sally Kaptich of Kenya as she prepares for the Frankfurt Marathon. And that wraps up this October the 28th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington, wishing you a great weekend ahead, Africa.